I like your turtleneck. Thanks, man. I'm I'm really into turtlenecks now. I think that's the first time I've seen you in one. Yeah, I mean, when I mean I'm really into turtlenecks, I'm into turtlenecks in the last like two weeks. But how many do you own? Only one. So I've worn it twice, but I'm really into it each time. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Direct 2 Podcast. This is episode number 22. I'm Kurt Schneider. And I'm Keenan Wetzel. And today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors, the Eightfold Collective and Film Supply. Film Supply is a full-service licensing agency that houses incredible, highly curated footage by myself and hundreds of other filmmakers. If you're looking for footage to fill the gaps or just building treatments and need inspiration, check out filmsupply.com. I'm super excited for today's episode. We've got director Oscar Hudson. If you're not familiar with his work, please go check it out. You can go to oscarhudsonsfilm.com or check it out in our show notes at directthenumber2podcast.com. Oscar is known for his groundbreaking visual concepts and his in-camera effects. And this past year, he's done videos for Radiohead, Bonobo, Young Thug, just to name a few. So sit back. And enjoy Oscar coming to you live from London. Hey, Oscar, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hello, hello. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Kick it off. What What's one film that you've watched more than any other? It doesn't have to be your favorite by any means, because I know mine isn't. <laughs> wow, now how honest am I going to be here? <laughs> this includes um, childhood. Yeah, well... You know what? If um, if it if I'm being like completely honest, it's definitely either between Zoolander or um, the South Park movie. <laughs> that that just says something about the kind of age I was when uh, when I was into watching the same movie over and over and over again. <laughs> well, I, I know Terrence Malick says I don't know if he says it in jest, but he says his favorite movie is Zoolander. So you have that in common with him. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel much better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I firmly approve of both of those selections. Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> if I'm gonna have to, like, write, if it, if it was going on my gravestone, I think I would have probably lied just then. <laughs> well, what would you have lied and said then? Like, what's the more like filmmaker answer to the kind of cooler answer? Shit! All right, no, okay. Let me think now. I'm on the spot. <laughs> you got it a second. <laughs> um. um i don't actually know the the one that springs to mind i'm not sure it's like that much like cooler really (laughs) (laughs) the matrix the matrix is great nice that's fucking (laughs) but that's again it's not a very cool i mean it's cool actually no the matrix is great what am i talking about the first one is very indian cool so i mean yeah yeah but um i don't know i i i i don't think i'm the kind of person who rewatches films if we're, if we're judging this by quantity like literally the amount of times i've seen the film mm-hmm. i don't know i don't quite know how to answer but, <laughs> uh, yeah well cool so i guess uh what what's what's your background look like how did how'd you get into filmmaking is it something you always knew you wanted to do growing up or what that look like um sort of yeah to some extent um i i yeah i think i think so i um i first like picked up cameras 
um, to make skate videos when I was like really young, sort of 12, 13, um, just like filming friends skateboarding. And that's what you do when you skate. You just, you film each other and you make skate videos and film tricks and all of that. Um, and that's how I first got into cameras and learned how to shoot and edit for that. And then also that sort of, as I think it does for a lot of skateboarders, kind of spills sideways into like jackass kind of stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, and then like just messing around with cameras, making like backwards films and I don't know, just silly stuff with like that. But, um, but that was, yeah, that was my first interaction with film, like in terms of making it. Uh, and then that kind of, I, I carried on skating for most of my life and that sort of was a constant thread. And then, and then at some point during university, I didn't study film. I studied anthropology and um yeah um at some point during studying anthropology which was great and i loved i loved anthropology a lot and i think it's a fantastic degree for anyone who uh doesn't know what they want to do um so uh at some point during that i um i kind of became aware that i wasn't making films anymore or or any kind of art i was quite i'm quite artistic growing up and quite creative i used to make a lot of stuff and um like paintings and all sorts of things but uh i realized i wasn't doing it anymore and i decided this was kind of around the time when the whole uh dslr 5d thing was like really hotting up and everyone was buying 5ds and i thought well i'm gonna buy myself one like one of the kind of bottom of the range dslr cameras and just start making films for anyone who'll let me and um and yeah so so sort of towards the end of studying i started doing that on the side and um hitting up like online magazines quite a lot like id and dazed and confused and Mm -hmm. these places and somehow got a little bit of a foot in the door and some of those places um i mean working for free a lot of the time just just making cheap content when people wanted that uh it's this situation feels that feels like it's changed a bit now but back then everybody wanted videos and the quality didn't really need to be that great yeah Um, and for me that was a really good way of I guess making some connections and starting to starting to make films, starting to do commissions. I guess. What um, What did those emails to them look like? Where you were just reaching out and saying, "Hey, I'm a filmmaker. Do you guys need something?" Or were you pitching um, them ideas? Uh, how do they look? I mean, honestly, I'm 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 not really these early early films were like nothing really that exciting yeah they were, i was like shooting interviews and uh sometimes i don't know like i remember because i skated i was doing something with id and they were like oh we want to do these like skate fashion films you want to shoot that for us and i just went down with my skateboard and my 5d and like filmed some kids skating around and they loved it and then like just stuff like just little bits and pieces like that and then sure. You just take whatever opportunity you can get and then it gets very, very gradually more interesting or something you do get to do something cool or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and it just goes from there. And then in parallel with that, you, you know, you try and get your own music video projects going with back friends, bands and um, yeah, just quite a step by step thing. You know, like, I guess, I guess I didn't. I mean, there's probably a lot of other directors who took this path of like slowly morphing from a kind of videographer, like one man band filmmaker kind of person into a director. Um, and that certainly was my story. 
So then yeah. was there was there kind of one project then that you were that like one project that sticks out to you that kind of was a turning point in your career or, or kind of what was kind of the first project you started to get some recognition on and started feeling like this is something I could turn into a career? So in the UK, we have this uh, Channel 4 do this strand called Random Acts, and it's, it's aimed at young filmmakers. And um, it back, it, it's changed its format a little bit, but when I did something for them, it was it used to be they, they'd play them um, instead of an advert on telly. Like instead, instead, instead of an entire advert break, actually. So you'd make these little two to three minute films and they'd play them kind of like at 10, 11 p.m. at night instead of an advert break, which is super cool, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're still going now. But we, me, along with um, along with my old friend Spike Morris, uh, who's now a DP. But at the time, we were both doing similar things with 5Ts and uh, he managed to get a commission for one of these and asked if, me to co-direct it with him. And that was the first time I guess I'd ever been given, like it was like 4,000 pounds, but any money to do anything. And um, and we went out and did this strange dancing film with a guy getting it out of a box. And uh, and and it was it was fun. We just drove around Europe in a car for a week. Um, just four of us, me, Spike, the dancer, and um, someone else just giving us a hand. And uh, we made this fun film, and it, I don't know, it got a staff pick, and hmm. then we got two more off on part, as part of the same series off the back of that. And I guess that was, yeah, I suppose that was the first taste of directing. So that was, yeah, just like a funny little abstract shorts. But, um, cool. It, it's, yeah. it sounds like a lot of your early stuff like came through like your connections and friends you had was just with just people, you know, um, how important do you think it is to kind of build your network as a filmmaker? And then when did it kind of transition to more of like a production company role where somebody was like kind of getting you work? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're totally right. Like, um, the way that it's came, it came together for me was, um, very much about my friends. Um, and, my people I knew in London because uh at least initially because so I actually I lived after I finished studying I went and lived in um, New York for a year and, and was working out there just kind of actually as like a photo assistant but also doing a lot of video on the set of a photographer um called William Hereford who did a lot of fashion stuff and I was just kind of his video guy slash assistant slash like I think he quite liked having a um an assistant with an English accent <laughs> Um, so I, he kind of kept me around and I kind of lived on that, but, and I was making films and I was making a living and having fun in a new city, but I wasn't, I didn't have these people who, who like were just keen and wanted to collaborate. And so I went back to London specifically to like tap into my friends who were there and doing similar things to me. And, um, and it's mad because, um, like uh, the very first music video I ever directed, um, uh, was shot by Spike, who's the, the the guy I've already mentioned, and then Luke Moran Morris, who art directed that, is the same production designer who's now done um, Bonobo and Radiohead with me. And then the second music video, I worked with Ruben, who's been my DP on almost everything. And um, and yeah, we literally started from. I knew all these people as friends before they were uh, collaborators of mine, and and we've all just like learned how to make films together and gone forward together and that's been so like such a joy just to be able to do that with your friends um yeah and uh before before i was with pulse um 
I also worked with friends who had become producers, you know, so it really was just a gang of us all kind of working for each other and helping each other with projects and getting behind each other. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was how it, that's how we made it happen for us. And I think we've managed to pull things off on, um, insane small budgets that I don't think other people could have done because we were, we had that like closeness as friends and we were able to go that extra distance, um, because of that what's it been like working with like a uh, i guess a more traditional production company and how long has that been kind of going on with pulse so um so i joined pulse uh the beginning of this year in january and bonobo was the first video that i did with them um almost before i'd even like met everyone because i was kind of in the process of like talking to them and joining up and i was away on work for a while things like that and uh basically came back to London after Christmas and just immediately shot Bonobo. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been good. All right. You know, I can't, I certainly can't complain about how the year's gone for me in 2017. And, um, I've done, I've worked with some amazing artists and done some videos I'm really proud of. And, um, Pulse have been fantastic in all of that, so, like super supportive and, um, everyone is great and yeah I, I've got not, not a bad word to say so what what's your process like when you're coming up for an night with an idea for a music video um, and, and also I'm kind of interested you you kind of have this group of collaborators that you work with what what's their involvement and are they involved at all in the ideation of these things and if so what's that look like um generally uh generally i like in the very early creative like stage of trying to write a script for a music video i i work quite alone like i'll, I'll just sit at my desk with my like head in my hands and like, just think of it <laughs> and um just trying to pull this thing together and usually it's always like horrible and takes ages and difficult and stuff um but uh but yeah i i guess uh i i maybe unlike a lot of other music video directors i i'm quite open about the fact that um i often have a lot like a large part of an idea is not necessarily inspired by the track like i'll have ideas of how things i want to do um kind of before i've heard a track and then a track will come in and I'll think, oh, that would kind of work with that technique or that idea or that kind of image that I wanted to like expand outward. And, um, and I'll kind of <clears throat> apply the track to the idea often. Um, and, uh, and make the two things come together. Um, almost all music video directors I speak to will say the complete opposite where they'll say that the idea right. is completely, completely unique to the track. But, um, it's not the case for me. I think I think often because I'm I'm trying to I'm 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 really I'm always really keen to try and do things that I haven't like seen too much before or like try and do something that feels like unique and um, I guess it's quite hard to come think of things that are a bit like that <laughs> stylistically in terms of like process and technique and so mm -hmm. uh, I can't <laughs> I don't have infinite infinite banks of ideas in that way um, so yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a reuser of ideas is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, 
a lot of your work seems to be like very production design heavy. Uh, do you have a yeah. background that I know you said you worked kind of photography and that seems kind of, I've seen some themes there, but like, you know, do you have a background in production design or something that no, interests you? Um, no, I don't. Uh, I, I, I've just developed, it's just been a, a thing that's developed in my work. I was, um, I was just talking about this yesterday, actually, the way that these things develop in your work. It's quite interesting. I think like, um, uh, the, the way that you like develop these, these things in your videos and the, the these styles and themes and techniques and things that come out of, um, of your work, it like, I'd like to, you know, I think a lot of directors like to think that that's just like what's in their soul or whatever. And that's just like, what's been like, right. the, dying to they've been just dying to like actualize that that's what and that's what their gift is but i think actually that process is a lot more organic and and um you know like with one of the first music videos i ever did uh for like no money involved a lot of in-camera effects and i, I did that and I, I really enjoyed it and i was really happy with the way it came out and um we partly did that because I had no idea. I did everything myself in the early days, and I had no idea how to do visual effects. So I just I thought, well, we shoot it in camera then, and then I got interested in that. And then you start thinking about other ways that you can like do like little tricks and sort of bend reality through in camera effects and things. And then the next video has an element of that, and, it, and you like it again. And then the next video has like a bigger set element. And you think, oh, I quite enjoyed what that set let me do, and I want to try this other thing. And then it just kind of snowballs like that. And then next thing you know, you you have a style, and you, you didn't necessarily consciously shape it, but that's just kind of the way it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I so I guess let's talk about the Bonobo video specifically. Uh, yeah. I'm just really curious, like wh what is the pitching process for that entail? Something that that massive and grand in scale. How how do you go about getting? the the artist on board with that and and getting everybody on your team on board with the vision and understanding what you're trying to do um so yeah that, that one's actually quite a good example of what i was talking about before about right reusing ideas because i pitched it a bunch of times um uh probably that was bonobo that was probably the fifth time i pitched it maybe fourth i don't know but um I, but i'm super glad I, I never got it before because Bonobo was by far the best artist I got it for, and it, it I was just glad that that I got to wait because every time you pitch the thing, you develop the idea and you make it better and and you figure it out more and it makes more sense. Um, and I, I think part of the reason I didn't get it, this is more in line with what you were asking, is that I I it was a difficult idea to describe on paper. Right. Uh, and <clears throat> the first few treatments I wrote, don't I don't think I got it at all. And um, I had to make, ultimately, I had to make um, like like a 3D animation of it. Well, I had got a friend to make it for me um, to to really explain what I wanted it to be like. Because um, that's relative. It was relatively easy to do that in a in an animation, yeah. but uh, it did. It just described the um, it just described the thing much better than I could in drawings and i mean i even i actually made like a stupid little mock-up in cardboard and um with a like stuck a gopro on the end of a stick and just like pushed it down these little models of rooms i'd built built out of plasticine with like shrinking stuff in it and that was fun that was really cool but it, i don't know like sometimes sometimes people 
that sounds like a dickhead now, but sometimes people lack a little bit of imagination. And yeah. this is it's a bit rough around the edges. They're not totally convinced. They can't make that leap into like turning it into a into a final product. But but that one, yeah, was took a quite a long time to get that idea right in terms of selling it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was. Um, it was achieved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So, so then I guess the, the idea, the idea gets approved. Then, then what did it look like from there? It's just like immediately talking with your production designer, how you can actually pull this thing off. I mean, well, y- yes, no. Like I, I, I'm quite technically minded as a director and mm-hmm. I usually, um, when I'm thinking of ideas, I'm not just I'm not just thinking of them in the, in an abstract realm. So like, mm. and and again, you know, coming from music videos and also like coming up from the very bottom of the barrel budget wise in music videos, I I know what when I'm pitching something, I want to know it's achievable on the budget. And part of what was this idea was all about was like, like I, I I had a fair idea of how we'd pull it off beforehand, and um, because it was a, a completely like unusual camera bill, like uh, you know, technically it was quite unusual. And I thought like I thought I had a good idea of how we would do it, and uh, and I thought it was achievable because it it doesn't rely on like big expensive camera equipment. It's a bit basically a DIY build, um, and you, you get the go ahead. Uh, and but then it's and I like have an idea of how to do it but then there's a shitload of um, work to be done in terms of taking that like idea of how you might do something and making it real um, that gap and that gap is like was quite large on this one as well even even though I I had an idea on it um, yeah like it's one thing to say like yeah and, and then the camera moves forward through like infinite rooms and down to a minuscule size but then it's another one when when you get the you get approvals and the producer asks you like okay so how long does the studio need to be then <laughs> and you go oh, right hang on let me think about that yeah <laughs> and you realize okay so i now need to know um how much distance this camera is going to need to travel and what speed it's going to be moving at and like is that speed going to feel right or is it going to be too fast or too slow um and how many rooms do i fit into that space and like what's the factor that they shrink by and is it you know when does a when does a set become a model you know like there's all these sort of strange questions right. that get thrown out of it. and i and like so i think sometimes i think when i started out directing i kind of imagined that um a lot of these you know th- there's this like magical process that happens when you get like more people involved where you can you can just be that kind of like the guy who just says the whimsical idea and then just sit back and everyone else figures it out but that doesn't it's never really happened at least not for me like it i had to be the one to sit down and do speed equals distance over time and and like figure shit out in terms of like to do the maths of the project and it's uh it's it's very uh it was for this one in particular. It was a very, very involved, and but yeah. um, but very quite rewarding once you got there. It's like one of those, you know. I always found like as a kid, I always found maths quite frustrating because just be- because there's always a right answer and a wrong answer, and it would it would get me like angry in ways that other things wouldn't. But actually, when when there is a right answer, 
it is quite satisfying particularly when you're doing like creative stuff where often there isn't the right answer so when you can get down to formulas for your for your projects it's quite fun did, did you rely a lot on previs um yes kind of we we did we we did have a pretty comprehensive previs made but that was as much as anything that was for like uh the set design and like knowing specifically things like um um like how big a gap can we leave between the sets like you know like an access point between say room one and room two like when are we going to start seeing off the sets like how and and then when you're working again on those super tight budgets like all that is really important because it's like material costs you know we, we everything every single penny counts and like luke luke ram morris who was a productions owner um pulled off like serious miracles in terms of making it work for the money he had and uh i mean the whole project was part is like in part shaped around those financial constraints as well and i and it's very nice people don't seem to think it looks that way um but even even the decision to have like a Japanese aesthetic is ties into that, you know, it's all minimalism and straight lines and like, furniture and stuff like that. It's all um, easier to shrink those things. You know, it's uh, when you've got to build 12 shrinking tables, you don't want it to be a big ornate piece. And, you know, Japanese interior design works with that. Um, so but then, yeah, then there's also that Hikikomori theme that just worked perfectly with on the creative side. So, I mean, it was one of those projects where everything just came together in a kind of like a very unusual, like slightly magic way and uh, seemed to work out pretty good. I, I'm, I'm curious, what were some of the, like, the, the biggest challenges you guys had either in, in pre-production or like actually on the day? Um, <clears throat> so... The, the how to make the camera move was probably the key like solve that we managed to figure out and it was that was what kind of make could make would make or break it well along with everything else but <laughs> <laughs> that and everything yeah but so originally the i thought what we would have, what we would do is um pull something like a small wheeled thing backwards through the rooms like pull it out because i thought oh you can pull something in a straight line but it's hard you can't push something in a straight line um and i thought that that would be the way we did it but we started working on things like that and it, it doesn't really work like that um so we started experimenting with uh like the whole groove like cutting a groove in the floor and i, I don't know if you've yeah i mean i'll explain how it so basically the the rail system works by we you got got a rail saw and cut a one millimeter wide groove down the middle of the entire set from beginning to end and then the camera is rigged on just like a, basically a bit of wood with some carpet facing down on it and we stuck some nails down through the bottom of that that sit into that little groove so it just stays straight and then it's pulled from within that groove a little wire that pulls it from underground um, and it just slides along like that and it's attached to a, a motor that pulls it in and with speed control so you can speed up and slow down and things like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, figuring that out and realizing that it works as smooth as any dolly. And that was like, that was kind of a massive, like sigh of relief moment. Um, yeah. And also like using the, uh, using the codex camera and realizing that that was going to like look as good as it did as well. Cause we, you know, when we weren't totally sure that it was going to, hold up like that but hey 
How how were you able? I understand how it would pull the camera in, but how how did it push the camera back through this set? Well, okay, so it's it's not it's two shots. Uh, it's not a it's not a true one shot. It's, uh, it's, so you flip the motor. So yeah, we just had to at that point yeah pull the motor out and run it from the other end of set basically. Gotcha. So what projects do you got coming up? Anything you can speak about? Um. I'm pitching on a couple of music videos at the moment. Uh, one, another one over in the US, which hopefully will happen. I don't think I, I think be I'll be vague, but a uh, couple of music video projects, and I'm also starting out writing a feature project, um, which is exciting for me. But uh, need to actually carve out the time and do. Right. Are mm-hmm. our, our features are features the end goal for you? Do, do you look to always be doing music videos or? What, what what are kind of your goals as a filmmaker? I'd love to do features, I would. But um, but I've always I've always worked quite diversely um across film throughout my career so far, and I want to keep that up too because I love I love documentary, and I've done you know I've done documentaries, and um, I've 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 done a few short narrative films, which are very different from my music videos, like aesthetically. Um, but like, I guess this next step for me is like, kind of trying to bring those, some of those styles together and like try and bring some of the stuff I've been working on in my music videos into a more narrative format and longer form and, um, and all of that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, um, I don't want to give up music videos, even if I do want ultimately want to do, uh, features music videos, I feel like, are, are a really great outlet for like a certain kind of filmmaking that doesn't really make much sense in other formats you know right. and i think i think uh i've i've enjoyed i enjoy that format so much that i'd be a fool to uh, turn my back on it so who is uh who is oscar hudson outside of film what are you what are your hobbies outside of film um what do i do uh, <laughs> that's, that's very filmy. still still skateboarding i'm assuming uh, yeah not as much as i'd like um not as much as I'd like, and now it's all dark and wintry. That's even going to be even less. But um, yeah, what do I do? I, don't, I um, I like you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I probably just do film way more than I want to. But <laughs> it's for quite can be quite all absorbing because it's that funny thing where, when you know, it, it's a, a lot of creative people's dream is being able to make a living from the thing that you love to do, mm-hmm. but then when you do that and also when you're freelance doing that like a lot of your time just starts to the the boundaries between what your what's your passion and what's your creative outlet and what you're doing for a job and all of that starts to blur and like even when you're working when you're not working you know it's all it it all starts to blur a lot um so i mean you know sometimes working like if i'm gonna go and sit down and start writing my feature with that's definitely something i'm really passionate about and really want to do right and that's probably the kind of thing i would be saying if you know if this wasn't if you weren't specifically asking about stuff outside of film that's the kind of thing in my free time but like i don't know i I like to cook i like to i like to cook i like to um i make like i make alcohol i brew um um i don't know i yeah that's cool that's cool that's that's more that's more than some people yeah 
What, eating and drinking? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, uh, some people can't even give us anything, so. Um, yeah. I eat, I drink. That's, that's super <laughs> but, but you make it for yourself. That's that's the yes. next step. That's true. That's next level. Um, yeah, so I guess last last couple of questions here. Uh, I guess what, what inspires you out, outside of going on Vimeo and, and other people's work and watching films? What are some things that inspire you? Or, or if you're feeling uninspired, where do you where do you look? Um, I uh, I've got a um, a lot of a lot of my friends do some quite diverse like creative stuff that's uh, often quite inspiring to me. I've got friends who work in um, like the theatre, kind of who are like theatre performers and physical theatre, and um, they introduced me to a lot of amazing physical theatre stuff. I was quite sniffy about um, physical theatre for quite a long time wrongly because it's actually some really amazing stuff in there and I feel like that's actually been quite a big influence on on some of my work like <clears throat> I love like physical comedy um, and uh, and you know you, you find that in film as much as in other places but um, but yeah so sometimes it's just nice to look to to places like theatre and um and also, uh, you know, I, 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 a lot of my friends who are in higher education and are like studying incredibly interesting things. And I, you know, I, as I said, I did anthropology, and I've def- I'm definitely interested in in in, in um, theory and I guess like kind of academic uh, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, and I've got friends doing that, and in the arts, and just I guess it's like the arts world as well, just just contemporary artists doing really interesting stuff and again i've got friends who move in those kind of world who definitely find inspiring um yeah you know cool so i guess last last thing would be what uh what advice do you have to up-and-coming filmmakers or is there anything that you know now that you wish you would have known starting out um well i guess advice would just be like just start making films as soon as you possibly can. Um, like you, you, if you want to be a, no, you're not a director until you've started directing films. Um, and nobody's going to see you as a director until you can show them films that you've directed. And that first film, you have to do that yourself. And those first few films, even like nobody's, nobody's going to hand that to you. Um, and it's, so it's just super important to just start making work. Uh, and it doesn't have to be um, slick or glossy or expensive looking. Like, In fact, in many ways, for myself, a lot of my approach to my early films was defined by, and like maybe even my interest in kind of like, um, like concepts and sort of like structure and format and like things, ideas where like, a good idea just completely overrides the need for like good production values. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of directors can get caught up with just wanting to make something that looks like a music video, you know, looks glossy and looks like passes that test. Right. Um, and, um, like I've never been that interested in, in things looking that way, you know? Um, and I think maybe that's why a lot of music videos are quite like, boring 
<laughs> yeah, they just look great, but there's no no concept. There's nothing there. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing really there. And there's a million ways to have a good concept. It doesn't need to be some kind of like super smart like shtick or anything. It, it, you can have a, a good narrative as, as much as that, or even a good you know you can. There's such thing as a good performance video. Just like if an artist is super charismatic, that can be the thing. But there just needs to be that thing. You don't and and production values are not important to that thing necessarily um so yeah the point being don't let that be a barrier in your mind towards like making something making something um in terms of stuff i wish i knew when i started out let me see um yeah i i it's not so much that i wish i knew it in fact i'm glad i didn't but uh yeah like no matter how big the project gets it's still you as a director are like still kind of the one driving everything. Like I don't think the point comes where you just get an easy ride on a project and uh, like even, even on big commercial stuff, like you still have to be the one figuring all the shit out and like getting your hands dirty. There it is guys. That's going to do it for us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at direct the number two podcast and check out our show notes at direct the number two podcast.com. And Hey, if you guys want to follow us personally on Instagram, you can find Keenan at Keenan Wetzel and find myself at Kurt Schneider. And don't forget the little underscore at the bottom because somebody already had my name. So I had to throw that in there and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye.